Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gray Malkin Lane Podcast's news Patreon episode. Now, two of my close friends uh, through the podcast here, Daryl Lawrence and Sarah Century, both love rabbits. And a weird conversation about rabbits led us to decide to record an episode on my maybe new favorite Marvel supervillain, uh, the White Rabbit. Uh, but uh, it, it, we're going to get there. I love this character in a way that I never thought I would because I never gave her much thought. Prior. Uh, so first, let me welcome my wonderful guest. It's so beautiful to see both of your faces this morning. Uh, Daryl, how are you? I'm doing great. And I don't know if we can call her a supervillain. I think she might. She's straddling villain and supervillain. Um, I think as we go through, she may aspire to supervillainy. That's absolutely fair. Uh, and Sarah, how are you, my friend? It's so good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. I'm, I'm doing really good. My rabbit is banging her water bowl on the ground, which to me is actually a very Lorena Dodson move. She's uh, just decided drinking isn't isn't going to be good unless she can bang the bowl on the ground. Where is my damn breakfast burrito? Yeah, yeah. Seems (laughs) seems very in check with what we're doing. My dog, whenever his food or water dish is empty, he puts his little paws in there and he scratches it to make like, it's like he's ringing a bell. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite cute. (laughs) Uh, You are both huge rabbit fans. Before we even get into the white rabbit, what is it you love about rabbits? I kind of hate them. You wouldn't hate them if you got to know them. <laughs> well, I, well, Chad, your kids have a rabbit that you have to take care of when uh, your former wife, you know, is out of town or something like yes. that. Yeah, yeah. my it, children it, have a bunny at their mom's house, and I will occasionally watch the bunny, and I hate it every time. <laughs> yep, I'm you don't a, have you don't I'm have not opposed to rabbits in general, just this specific rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you live with them, it changes. I don't know. My first rabbit ever was my rabbit, Heather, who I still have, but just went through a huge health crisis. And this is not the first one this year. So they're definitely um, an interesting pet. (laughs) I learned a lot about pets, I think, by having rabbits. But Heather was my first one. She was in the UP and I had to drive like two hours plus just out into Trump land to like pick her up. And I just, I was, it was this weird moment of like, I saw her on Craigslist and they, they seemed like a bad situation. And I was just like, I just like love this rabbit and I haven't even met her. So I have to go get her. So I went and got her and it was just love at first sight. I still love this rabbit so much. Now I have a bunch of more rabbits because that's what happens if you have one because everybody is like, oh, you need two. They're like a bonded pair. And then you get two and somehow that's like two and three at the same time. Like you just <laughs> keep accumulating rabbits because a lot of them need a good home, you know? So it's like a, it's a whole thing. I adopted a rabbit who was pregnant and then I ended up with like a bunch of rabbits. I didn't know that she was pregnant, but <laughs> Lots of lots of rabbits in this house, but I'm not the only one. So I want to hear um, more about about your rabbit journey. <laughs> yeah, and you bring up a good point with Heather, and I follow you on Instagram, of course. Um, and um, 
She just went through something that bunny owners know well. It's called GI stasis. Their digestive tracts are very delicate little things. So sometimes it, you don't even know what sets them off and makes them sick. And yeah. um, it's scary because that sort of thing can kill a rabbit. So you have to act on it fast and get them attention. But anyway, um, Sarah and I are in a secret location in the Midwest um, near to one another. And we sort of both know the same rescue organizations in the area and everything. And we adopted two. So my partner, Philip, grew up with rabbits and his mom and his aunt both grew up with rabbits. So it's like generational on that side. And we decided that, hey, you know, we've been following this organization for a while. We should adopt some rabbits. And we adopted two. They bonded. We named them Nick and Nora after the Thin Man movies from the 30s and 40s. And um, then this past spring, another social media situation. So a lot of people think that rabbits are beginner pets and they're really not. And then um, with the case with our third rabbit, who we named Asta, they dump them outside because they think that bunnies can survive in the wild and domesticated rabbits cannot. Um, they don't have those survival instincts like wild rabbits do. And someone posted on Facebook in one of the local groups that this bunny was just sort of chilling underneath their car in the big city and they took it in, but they couldn't keep it. And I was the only one who responded. I'm like, if you can't figure anything out, I'll take the rabbit and I'll get it to a rescue organization. But because so many people dump them, the shelters are overwhelmed. Like there yeah. is a waiting list to get them into the foster system, not yeah. even to get them adopted, just to get them fostered. So um, after I figured out that the wait list was super long, we just took her in and we are still working on bonding Asta and Nora because Nora is very, very territorial. She is the queen. So she is super aggressive still, but we're working on it. And people are like, well, are you going to give up Asta? I'm like, no, absolutely not. We rescued her. Like, if she has to live separately, she has to live separately, but we're not going to give her up. So um, it's really enriching. They're like sassy cats. Like, think of cats, but like most of the time, they just want to be left alone so that they can eat hay. And that's basically what a rabbit is. Yeah. And sometimes they want treats and then they'll be social with you. Sometimes you get a rabbit like my rabbit Heather and she's a complete teddy bear, but she's a Flemish giant. And that's like, I hear that they're just like that. So every rabbit has a completely unique personality. You can never tell what you're going to get. I got my cat, my rabbit, my cat rabbit, my rabbit Lilu, same exact way as you did. Like somebody, I was literally just walking to the grocery store two blocks away and she was in a parking lot. And I was like, um, <laughs> like, this is a clearly domesticated rabbit just sitting in this parking lot. So I tried to ask around and see if anybody knew her. And it just, they, it seemed very much like she had just been dumped in the parking lot. So if anything can come from this conversation, which isn't so much about rabbits actually, but it, it will be that just don't ever do that. Like get your rabbit to a shelter or something thing like my, it's the absolute least you can do my children's rabbit they thought was a girl and they named it dumpling and then they discovered it's a boy and it's now named barnabas and you guys heard <laughs> me when i talked to when i talked to daryl before my children have this sound they make when they're talking about the rabbit they make comic strips about it and it's all these ridiculous antics about what the rabbit goes through but they do this noise that's like no when they're doing the rabbit voice and it's constant and it like grates on my nerves like fingernails on a chalkboard 
I love all animals. And when you guys talk about your rabbits, I can hear the same affection I have when I talk about my dog or my fish. Uh, so I love rabbits also. I just don't want to own one. But for all of you out there who may want to investigate your local shelters and the ability to take care of bunnies, uh, knowing Daryl and Sarah personally, uh, you guys love your pets. And I can hear that very clearly. Shifting the conversation. Last to something to, to another rabbit that we'll love eventually. Well, we're going to do another rabbit first. Last weekend, my 14-year-old is in a community theater production of Alice in Wonderland Junior, which just wrapped up. And he was great in it, but it was the really awful, awkward, like kids like on stage talking too soft and the audience couldn't hear them, forgetting their lines, singing off key, like people walking out when they forgot their entrance and the director's like, get off the stage. It was supposed to be an hour and it was like two and a half and it was miserable. And at the end I had to be like, great job, buddy. You did so good, <laughs> which is true. He did great, but good Lord. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, of course, is the infamous Lewis Carroll book, Disney movie. We have the white rabbit. She's dreams of a world of nonsense. And there's the little guy in the pocket watch of the Disney movie. He's running around. He's ladies late. He's trying to get to the queen of hearts. And it's this world about like nonsense and no rules. And it's a commentary about society and norms and drugs and all kinds of craziness. Uh, our character that we're going to talk about today is obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, obsessed to the point of it, it it's like a Batman villain like Two-Face loves his coins and Joker loves his smiles and Catwoman loves her cats like this character is all Alice, Alice in Wonderland all the way through uh, before we even get into Marvel's White Rabbit what are your connections if any to Alice in Wonderland and the I'm late for a very important date rabbit <laughs> Uh, I love the Alice in Wonderland books. I think that they're really amazing. I They're so, uh, in many ways, I think played out a lot. Like there's always probably going to be new good versions of Alice in Wonderland. People are really good at subverting that story, which is already a subversion. Like that story is already bonkers. And you'll see it like, you know, this weird like taxidermy stop animation version of Alice in Wonderland wonderland or like you know any number of different adaptations there's disney but there's like it it's a story that truly runs the gamut i guess like whenever it comes to what its influences and in culture and whenever she starts talking about the white rabbit i just think to myself we've all known this girl right like we all know like one person at least in our life that has like a full Alice in Wonderland sleeve or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like just loves Alice in Wonderland this much. Like I wish she had the sleeve. I want to see it. Like, I think that would be very cool. And I, I can think, bet she would do it. I can think of like 12 like hippie chicks, like super feminist girls in, from my life that are obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. All of them are girls, yeah. a single guy. Uh, but they're obsessed, like yeah. decor, tattoos, memorabilia, like they love it. Yeah, and then you have, of course, like the famous Jefferson Airplane song, <laughs> White Rabbit, which is like, <laughs> to me, the most bad vibes song that has like ever existed, not necessarily in its own self, but just, I mean, let's face it, bad vibes followed a lot of the hippie crowd around. Like there, I, I've seen um, Gimme Shelter, you know, <laughs> like there's a bunch That's... of stuff that went pretty wrong with them, but. That song yeah, that, was used at the end of the premiere episode of Netflix's 1899. It sure was. Yeah, yep. yeah. I just heard it the other day. <laughs> it was used in that. It's been used in so many things. It's in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Just like to me, every time I hear that bass line, I'm just like, 
this party, I'm done. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, whatever is going to happen, I'm not here for the rest of it. Like, <laughs> you're like, and you're just like, oh, song. no. Like, it's a really good song, but, like, I hate it, right? Like, I'm just like, get me out of here now. <laughs> like, every time you hear it, it has just the worst vibes, I think, of any song. Even in 1899, it's so bad vibes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's like they find, like, a little boy in a chest. And it's and like, and like a dun, ghost dun, ship. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. It's so bad vibes. Anyway, but I do love it in the same way that I think that uh, Lorena is also bad vibes. But I <laughs> love her. Daryl, tell me about your connection to Alice in Wonderland. Sure. Um, so from a very young age, I was obsessed with a version of Alice in Wonderland from 1985. It was on CBS, split into two different episodes. And it was basically all the stars of yesteryear cast in this version. And it's three hours long altogether. My grandparents had taped it off of HBO in like 1988 even though it came out on 85 then they distributed it um the this, white rabbit what is you're played talking by about Red. what you're talking about was a huge part of my childhood oh I've seen it. i watched it a hundred times as a kid on i DVD. have it on dvd i have it on vhs um it's, it's like oh it's <laughs> it's so good the white rabbit is played by red buttons um the White Queen, for example, is Carol Channing. Yeah, and... jam tomorrow, jam yesterday. Yeah, oh, terrible. this shit is so <laughs> camp. It is, <laughs> it is so good. Um, a connection to something else I'm obsessed with, Dallas. Patrick Duffy was killed off memorably on Dallas so he could have a movie career. And one of the only things he did in that year off before they're like, it was a dream, was this movie where he was the goat in the train. So this movie has like Ringo Starr and like as the Sammy Davis turtle. Jr. And like, it's a huge cast and it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But so good. I, uh, I've been trying for years to find the soundtrack ab album on vinyl because it's out there, but it's super rare. Yeah. Um, I, I live for this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So me and Alice in Wonderland go way back because of that movie. Like, Alice in Wonderland, the Disney version, secondary to the 1985 TV version. Um, so I encourage everyone out there, find it, watch it, like maybe take an edible before because it's going to make it like even better. There's also <laughs> a, like a seven, it's like a two minute scene of Carol Channing turning into a sheep where she's like, I'm feeling much better. And like, it's, it's she's slowly transforming. It's it's a full-on fever dream. Uh, there is a reason I love the two of you so much. And we're already there. <laughs> <laughs> so Alice in Wonderland to me, and I'm not going to do a whole deep dive into the history, but it's a commentary on the rules of society, as I briefly mentioned. There's a girl who's bored with rules and she's like, I want a world of nonsense. And she dreams about going into Wonderland. And as she's going through a progression of bizarreness, she changes size, she meets these weird characters, there's drugs, there's nonsense. And finally she ends up with the Queen of Hearts who's like the ultimate authoritarian on a different type of rule that's that's like, I'm gonna chop off your head if you fucking piss me off. And uh, she returns to the real world like, oh, life is much better now. The White Rabbit is one character. It's a commentary, I think, on someone who's just always in a rush and never slows down. Alice is obsessed with this rabbit and chases after her. Our character is named the White Rabbit. And uh, I've had the opportunity to interview Jam DeMatteis on the podcast. I mentioned uh, in that interview very briefly that we were going to talk about the right way, Rabbit. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, okay. 
<laughs> I want to, I could have a whole conversation with him. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, oh, Sarah, you were with me for that. That was, that was, yeah, I was like, oh, now we have a missed opportunity where we could have just made the whole thing be about White Rabbit. <laughs> just like, all right, Defenders is like, okay, but White Rabbit, like these issues are incredible. Maybe he'll come back someday. I am talking yeah. to him about doing a Patreon episode with me in 2023, but we'll uh, we'll get there later. Uh, okay. So I mean, oh, and didn't he do, uh, he has like his four new comics out. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Which he talked about on our show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now they've launched. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's an absolute gem of a human okay so i'm going to introduce this character we're all going to kind of take different sections and we'll just talk about it uh i got to read her whole history i have never as i mentioned given this character much thought and i fucking love her she is insane she's like marvel's harley quinn she's like super drag queen camp batman super villain nuts she's she's nuts and i love her uh i love her more in the beginning and at the end and then there's some great stuff in the middle and then a lot of like blah. <laughs> but uh it, it depends on how the writers use her so she first shows up in marvel team up number 131 it's 1983 jam de mateus uh she graces the cover in all her glory looking like a fabulous drag queen there's orange hair down to her shoulders big old pair of like white rabbit ears stand straight up, which I picture is just like a little headband. She got it like a Claire's somewhere. Uh, her face is painted white with whiskers drawn on. She's got a pink bow around her neck, white vest, upper cleavage exposed, white panties, bare legs down to her white furry boots, white gloves, plaid blue jacket that go down to, goes down to her knees, pink umbrella, which she has just fired like a gun on the cover. She has a timepiece hanging around her waist, there's two plaques next to her and on them are the heads of Spider-Man and Frogman, who are the characters here. And the, the cover says, enter the white rabbit. And she's fucking fabulous. Her first words when you open the book, she has a gang of uh, armed men in pink sweaters. This woman is obsessed with fast food. We don't quite know why. It's some, she's like the ultimate Karen in that like she she like let me talk to your manager which we'll get to official scene later that has that but she's like it's like her parents denied her fast food as a kid and now she's fucking obsessed with it as a grown-up it's it's i i kind of believe she's a little bit bulimic i don't i don't <laughs> anyway she shows up and she storms a quickie burger she's paying these men a thousand dollars a week to work for her and she says Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We're the White Rabbit Gang, and we're here to rob this Quickie Burger. I trust no one has now any objections. Now, if the pugnacious-looking fellow near the register would kindly hand over all available cash. The cashier draws a gun. She shoots him in the shoulder with a fucking razor-tipped carrot fired out of her umbrella. Like, oh, wow, we are off to a start. But it turns out Frogman is in the room, and he remembers how the White Rabbit Gang has been robbing fast food places for weeks, which... This is her journey. She wants to dress up men in pink sweaters and rob fucking McDonald's around town. This is her life goal at this point. You know, and she's already rich, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we'll get she there. already she already has money. It's she's just she's a bored housewife. Yeah, it will, <laughs> and a gold digger. We'll get there in a moment. So Frogman attacks White Rabbit, like blankets the room in gas and escapes with her men. Frogman chases after him, and she's like, "Kill him!" Uh, she she fires a flare in the air and gets away. It seems she has set up this entire underground base, which probably cost a billion dollars. Underneath a junkyard, the entrance is an actual rabbit hole, which is hidden under a refrigerator. You knock on the fridge and it pulls back and you jump down the rabbit hole and air jets lower you into this elaborate room. She sits in this huge throne with a Cheshire cat footrest. She's got a Mad Hatter statue. There's like a Queen of Hearts backdrop. She has shelves of book, a fucking damn chandelier on the ceiling. Like this woman's amazing. She greets her. She greets her employee, Mister Face, 
and she's newly recruited Eugene Patilio, who is the former leapfrog, who is related to Frogman. We, we, we'll do Frogman another time. Uh, she offers them this new job. She says, money is nothing to me. What I crave is excitement. And then we learn her origin. She says, and I quote, as a child, I was raised in the lap of luxury, protected by nannies, teachers, and tutors, kept away from the rowdy offspring of the lower classes. I was molded into a genteel, nauseatingly proper young lady. My only escape from that wretched existence was through books. And of all the books in my youthful mind devoured, I loved Alice most of all. Time and again, I stepped through the looking glass into a wonderland that transcended my constrained, constricted existence and showed me life as it could have been. Lewis Carroll saved my soul. I am forever indebted to him for that. Years passed and I was married off to an indolent old, uh, excuse me, old fogey with oodles and oodles of money he was a perfect bore and certainly no match for roslonikov barbarous lord jim and the other fascinating men i encountered during my bibliomaniacal sojourns oh my god i love her but my but my dear husband did something good for me he died with the fortune i inherited i set out to transform my life into the literary opus i'd always wanted it to be a life of daring do a life of danger a life of crime i think i've succeeded Seated rather rather nicely, don't you? Ah, oh, but I see that we're very late for a very important date. Shall we go? Okay, we got to pause here. <laughs> this is her entrance. We've got fast food obsession, gangs of men, an underground lair with a chandelier and a Cheshire cat throne, and now this speech. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm obsessed, and I am I her? I mean, she, she loves books. She loves rabbit. She loves fast food. I read this quote and I'm like, I identify so much with her right now. And I think that's worrisome. <laughs> yeah, I love her a lot. This is really fun. What I think that they do wrong later is they forget how much she loves books, right? Is like there's a whole time period where she's not using big words. Yeah, she gets way dumber. <laughs> See, that's what I hate. I'm just like, the reason that Harley Quinn works is because Harley Quinn is a doctor. <laughs> like you have somebody who has so much intelligence, who's just like, you know what? I'm going to get a big giant hammer and it's going to be great. And it is great. And that's what is great about White Rabbit too, is, is that she's just a nerd. She's like sitting at home trying to read all the time. I like, I want to see like one panel of her relationship with her husband, because I just believe that the whole time she was just reading. And just every time this guy like said anything, she was just like, what? <laughs> She is Based obsessed. Buried in book. I keep saying like Batman villain obsessed. I grew up watching the 60s Batman series in reruns and the Joker's like, let's rob the joke shop. And the Penguin's like, there's a rare penguin at the zoo. Let's steal it. Like they're just fucking <laughs> obsessed and that's all they want. This woman has three obsessions. Fast food, <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, and rare books. So her next crime is the, uh, she has a van called the Mad Hatter Chapeau Shop. And she says to her gang, tonight, my unsavory allies, we move up from the world of fast foods. Quickie burgers and roast beef roundups fascinated me for a time because I'd never been permitted them in, <laughs> permitted in them in my youth. But no more. There's a book fair uptown with an astonishing array of invaluable first editions. Uh, so they're going to go steal books. And on their way, she sees Spider-Man and Frogman overhead and realizes that killing a superhero would be amazing for her reputation. <laughs> she's also obsessed with like being a high status criminal 
So she pulls over, her men open fire, and Eugene, who, again, this is like Frogman's relative, is like, oh no, why do we have to get involved? And she says, because it's fun. <laughs> her men are defeated. And then we learn some of her capabilities. She's got boot jets, so she can hop around. Uh, she says, there's nothing like a daring last minute escape to set the blood up pumping. <laughs> if only my dear departed husband could see me now. Uh, anyway, so they're they're fighting. She has like a mini cannon. She crashes into Frogman. She bursts through this woman's, like old woman's window. And uh, she tries to escape, but Eugene's been working with the police and also Frogman's dad is there and, and she's arrested. And basically like, her husband, like, was he Liberace? Like, what, what is happening with his origin story? I love her so much. Jim Davis, hands off, like, her hat, hands, hats off, hands together. <laughs> Amazing work. Don't take your hands off, although a white <laughs> rabbit might like that. Uh, but uh, incredible, incredible opening. God, she's great. Yeah. I love the outfit. I love the outfit. People make fun of it later in the comic textually. People are like, that's a terrible outfit. And I'm like, maybe I'm just gay, but like, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> like, I think it's such a good uh, look. I don't know. I, I I think that she has a classic look. This is an action figure I would buy 1010. I, I have it right here. Ah! <laughs> and this is like the debut cover. Like the umbrella is firing. <laughs> The furry boots. We have the pocket watch, the bow. Yeah, they released she, this a few years ago. She literally has the boots with the fur. She does. And I am losing it. Yes, look it up. I found one on eBay, which was just above like retail. So they're still out there. So I need one. We're going to skip around a little bit. Sarah, will you take us to Spectacular Spider Man 185 in 1992? Because, good Lord, she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's really just more of the same like even the cover has, has the two frog men um behind spider-man and they're all marching forward in this very serious pose and it's like the weirdest issue of the year yeah it's spidey with giant frogs you got a problem with that and they're not the strangest thing in this issue and then it goes editor-in-chief's warning this story is funny on purpose beware <laughs> what is this and spider-man of course we begin the issue the whole like kind of backdrop story i think is spider-man um being a little bit meaner than he needs to be to eugene eugene is frogman and just wants to hang out um be a sidekick have a good time and peter parker is living in a much more serious world than that so he is very upset and kind of, you know, just kicks him off to the side. However, the, the true star, the true star of this story, of course, is White Rabbit. Who, Lord, yes. Just like the introduction is bonkers because we have like Walrus, who I didn't even realize that Walrus was a villain. I had never had heard of this character. Uh, dressed kind of like a Walrus and has a rainbow colored W in the center of his chest cool looking guy I don't know but he falls down a tunnel which is what like just even just that moment I think it just truly encapsulates who this is as a person like why do you have random tunnels for people to fall down 
like hidden <laughs> where are they are they everywhere is it just <laughs> above this one spot and i just, just don't know just a side note walrus is the, the walrus and the carpenter is another famous lewis yeah. poem and this is another jam de mateus character i think yeah. uh, new defenders 131 is when he shows up uh just uh, we'll talk about him another time but he's kind of crazy powerful despite the fact that he's super stupid <laughs> yeah and she goes a somewhat graceless entrance which is just <laughs> hilarious because it's like you pulled you uh whatever you had him fall down a tunnel of course it was a graceless entrance but she has still the best look I've ever seen like she has a Cheshire cat footstool which where do you get one of those like everything with her I'm just absolutely entranced she finds out that he is like basically invulnerable right because she like turns on him and is just like like a test can you be one of my minions and then because nothing happens whenever she shoots him with her umbrella uh she decides that they should team up and be like best friends (laughs) so funny I mean, she hasn't met a lot of people who are similarly obsessed with Lewis Carroll to the point where you want to make a life as a villain. (laughs) Yeah, literally. She's just like, this is pretty cool. Like, she's like excited about this guy, which I think is fun. And yeah, they just go like cruising around and like, uh, P.S. Like, I always make a joke that Eartha Kitt's kitty car on the Batman 66 (laughs) show is like the best of of those superhero vehicles because it's just a hilarious vehicle i would totally own one yeah but here we have the white rabbit mobile i don't know what the exact name of this is but it looks so awesome it's (laughs) like literally rabbit shaped but if rabbits were evil it has like squinty eyes and like laid back ears and just amazing and they go cruising around (laughs) well spider-man's just trying to bond with Eugene the whole time and of course it turns into them just um trying to wreck stuff just casually wreck everything in the they're city. back at quickie burger she's like destroy it just destroy this stuff like <laughs> she's this is a woman with an obsession right and he's like I don't really get it and she's like yeah clearly like just so ups- upset that like people aren't in on her gimmick even though it makes no sense whatsoever and she's just walking around going mayhem mayhem and he's like thank you and she goes you're very welcome (laughs) i love everything about this person but this issue of course it makes no sense whatsoever spider-man laughs at everybody him and frogman have like the classic team up that they were supposed to have of course of course uh they accidentally take out white rabbit which you'll find is a theme like white rabbit is taken out pretty easily for his cool she has all of this cool gear though so i'm always like is she just she really is just like playing with them right like she's not like trying she's just kind of like what's up up, everybody i'm gonna rob these fast food places superheroes she, probably don't yeah, care like about that thing she's got like razor carrots and like razor umbrellas and yeah <laughs> that's the thing is i'm like if she wanted to hurt somebody she really could right but she never really does so i don't know i don't know what i think about her as far as her morality goes i guess but yeah she gets taken out by accident frogman just basically like falls on her and that's pretty much the end of the story spider-man <laughs> takes the walrus out like it's literally what the cover said you know it's just a funny story on purpose 
It's more He's of the same, except we get, a, we get a rabbit mobile and a, and a supervillain team up. <laughs> yeah, which rules. Like, that part is really great. That's a good escalation of what we've seen so far. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Daryl, any thoughts on this story? No, I uh, I think that's really amusing. Um, again, her exclamations about things. Um, eat hot carrots. And, <laughs> and just... I uh, I agree with you, Sarah. I think she's motivated because she's bored and rich. So she just wants to do petty crime. She's not really in it to like maim anyone. Yeah. As originally conceived. And we're going to step through some of the later stuff um, later in this episode. But like right now, she's just having fun. Like she's doing stuff that will amuse her because she's been sitting around and reading books for a while. <laughs> um, and it, I think this sets up like her 90s era. Yeah. I love uh, for her to just not have anything going on. And like, if people want to hang out, she's probably like, I don't get close to people <laughs> or something. She just like, I just can only imagine like trying to hang out with this person. She would be like way too over the top and you'd be like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not going to return your emails. You're way too much. You have this like real intense obsession with Lewis Carroll and I can't talk about it anymore. I already said the five things I think about Lewis Carroll. I can't like have more thoughts on it. And <laughs> and she's just like mad because nobody's like hip to her stuff. This she's woman like, gets bored this woman gets bored very easily. And at this point and kind of still frankly, she's she's like zealist Marvel character. And she's one of like 10,000 possible supervillains you can draw on any time you're telling a story. But we, we see a pattern, and Daryl, you'll continue this in the next section, where J.M. JM DeMatteis wants to tell a ridiculous over-the-top story, and he pours so much love into her that it makes her amazing, rather than just like the villain that gets punched in the background, which she has her fair history of that as well. But, uh, but he, he likes this character. He's having fun. So he brings her back in 1998 in Spectacular Spider-Man, 253 and 256. Uh, Daryl, tell us about this story. Yeah, and um, going into this, I just want to, so she came out, She was her first appearance was 1983. And she was still framed, even in that first appearance, as a young woman who married a very old man, like 60 years her senior, he kicked the bucket. I ain't saying and, she's a gold digger, but she ain't yeah. going for no broke, broke. <laughs> yeah, and... By the time we get to 1998, when both of these issues come out, our framework has changed on what that relationship means. And in the context of these issues, I am viewing it through the framework of Anna Nicole Smith. And, <laughs> and like she, to me, is an Anna Nicole caricature in the late 90s, because that's our understanding, because J. Howard Marshall had died. There had been the whole trial where she was trying to get you know, what she believed was due to her. Like, it, it was a different conversation um, 15 years later. I can't not see this character as Anna Nicole now. And it's perfect. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and just as uh, for Anna Nicole, too. Like, just oh, in general. It's like, she deserves all the money in the world. And so does Lorena. <laughs> yes. So uh, the other thing to note for everyone listening is that there's a bit of White Rabbit erasure on Marvel Unlimited right now. You cannot find the two issues oh, yeah. I'm about to cover. You cannot find her first appearance. And it is oddly specific. Like, yeah. like there are issues surrounding 
her appearances, but her appearances are the issues that are missing. Like it can be every single one in sequence except her issues. Mm-hmm. So it's there's something going on, Marvel. What's going yeah. on? I'm not saying Marvel has an investment in Quickie Burger and is trying to get revenge, but <laughs> I'm not saying they don't either. So uh, in 253, we barely see her. It is like a page where she pops in and she is interrupting um, what's happening within the story because she's there to rob a bank. So she has upgraded what she is robbing. It is no longer just fast food joints. She wants to rob a bank. We have these Tweedledee and Tweedledum looking motherfuckers that are her henchmen. Um, so they have red caps, gigantic red bow ties with the red suspenders, white shirts. She has dressed them up. She's invested in these costumes. And it's the White Rabbit Gang. So she all I, all I can picture now are, are the terrible child actors playing Tweedledee and Tweedledum that I witnessed last weekend. <laughs> so um, <laughs> no, uh, why don't you just reframe it to the 1985 version where it's Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence? Much better, much yes. better. Um, and uh, the odd thing, so um, we have uh, this set up for three issues down the line where we have a whole white rabbit issue and it's entitled rabbit fire and it's her riding this mechanical rabbit that is very evil looking so in the course of her bank robbery she ran across um two people it was oh no gibbon gibbon and grizzly there we go grizzly so they were there and she kidnaps them And she's holding them for ransom now. They are chained together, hung upside down. And she has broken through the airwaves. She has interrupted some soap operas. And is demanding a billion dollars in ransom for these two jabronis dressed up as different types of simians. Um... Can I can I read her speech here? Please. She says she's on the national like broad. She like interrupted. It's again very sixties Batman. She interrupts the like TV broadcast and she says, "Good day, New York. I am the White Rabbit, Queen of Crime, Mistress of Mayhem. I speak to you from my secret lair, the Rabbit Hole, where, as you can plainly see, I hold two captives who need no introduction. Yes, they do. <laughs> Tremble in terror as you witness your greatest heroes, Grizzly and Gibbon, the boy monkey." helpless and in my thrall. And I promise you this, if the mayor doesn't turn over $1 billion in gold by midnight tonight, this dynamic duo is doomed. It's so it's so 60s Batman. I love it so much. And uh, the way that she is going to kill them is that she has genetically mutated killer bunnies in a pit that she will lower these two into and the bunnies will just tear them apart. <laughs> and... Uh, the response from the mayor is like he's just laughing and he's like uh and it's his chief of staff or something he's like well aren't you going to even consider paying it and he's like tell her i'll pay two dollars and fifty cents so that's his like counter offer for these two lives and um of course it's spider-man so you're going to get spider-man scenes woven in at this point spider-man is known and hated by pretty much like at least half the city so he needs to go in disguise his disguise is going back to an earlier one which is the 
bombastic bagman which also i have that action figure of him in the fantastic four suit where it's him wearing literally a paper bag um over his head and on the way to uh, trying to figure this out he's like oh well mary jane i don't know what i'm going to wear and he looks and sees a grocery store and he's like i got it so he whips on a paper bag and just takes off his shirt which i appreciate because uh, spider-man was pretty built in the 90s as all male characters really were um so he's going to go and interfere with white rabbit's grand plot um where she is employing some out of work actors but paying them above like the sag minimum and um employing them as the mad hatter and the dormouse they're not really into it they're trying to stroke her <laughs> ego but they're one of them one of them's like you're amazing you're as good an actress as pamela lee (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a wonderful story um she's very abusive to the point where they quit near the end of this issue uh and she's like but i was paying you above minimum (laughs) so she's still spending the bucks to try to make her fantasy come true the commitment to it is wonderful um but then um we also she, learn a little bit more about her past here she was yes. 25 when she married her 82 year old husband uh whose name was lewis dodson and there's the there's the implication that she like fucked him to death She's yes like, believe me he died happy they also <laughs> named her lorena which lorena bobbitt was a big story in the news at the time and you have to assume that that was a direct correlation lorena dodson is this character's name it there are so many it's a cross-section of 90s pop culture in this character which i so appreciate as someone who grew up in the 90s like this is lovely and um by the end of this story of course she is thwarted the rabbits turned out to be really nice um and they they nibbled the the cords away um and originally I thought they were in chains, but that changed in the artwork and apparently they were just tied up. They nibbled them away so that we could have um, Grizzly and Gibbon escape and they destroyed her robo-bunny. It it turned out to be another just, it's a, a bad time for White Rabbit. She just did not she, succeed again. She also has a giant rabbit blimp in this story. And like, <laughs> when she's upset, she demands carrot juice. And she like tells the mayor like, <laughs> since you're denying me, I now demand full payment in quarters. Like she's, she's nuts. And she actually like talked herself down. So it was originally a billion dollars. And then she's like, fine, I'll accept 5 million in quarters. <laughs> so I, which I don't think that blimp could hold. The Mad Hatter, this poor actor, had to like let <laughs> bombs go. And Dormouse is like, you're going to kill people? And he's like, no, I'm just like letting them go where people aren't. <laughs> so he's bombing the city, but just like empty park space and things like that while she is sipping her carrot juice. So the, <laughs> let's talk about the choice to name her Lorena for just a moment. Lorena Bobbitt is, this story has been reformatted since we had an understanding of it in the 90s. She was an abused woman who uh, was not in a safe space and cut off her her husband's penis. His name's John Bobbitt. It got reattached and he went on to become a porn star. But yeah, because and this it- happened, this like story hit national news and she was like a punchline on like 
every talk show for like five years. Uh, and this is, it's not a funny story, but at the time people were laughing so hard about like the woman who'd cut your dick off and they, and they named White Rabbit Lorena. And I feel she like drove away and chucked it in a ditch or something like, I, or that's an urban legend, but again, um, just like let's rehabilitate Anna Nicole Smith's image. Lorena Bobbitt, let's rehabilitate her image because she did what she thought she needed to do to get out of that situation. Yeah. And she got out yeah. of it. So the thing too, I think is like the 90s were really mean to women. <laughs> and like, you know, Monica Lewinsky's another one. There was just uh -huh. like a lot of women who just got absolutely trashed. And it was, that was basically what talk show hosts did before they interviewed people was just like rip on women in really gross ways that super don't hold up. And I think it is important. And if <laughs> White Rabbit did any of those things, I would be exactly, I believe, like I said, she deserves all the money. I think I'm just like, her husband does sound like he kind of sucked and was boring. So kill him. I don't know. <laughs> kill him through sex, I guess. Have fun. I, I love her. All that said, she's like the worst of white women at the same time. I have a she billion is. dollars and I'm going to do this. She does come back in some ways where you're just like, just be nice to the customer service person. They'll just get you your food. It'll be fine. You don't have to do any of this. But I do love the gear enhancements. Every time she shows up, she has better and better gear. And it's rad. Like, I love the giant rabbit. I love the rabbit blimp. I'm just like, all of this is A+. plus. Maybe not so much on like the rabid bunnies in the pit. Like as 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 people who love bunnies, we don't do that to your rabbits. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't. That's why I'm like, I don't think she actually does like rabbits that much because they go through a lot around her. She does later try to like steal a bunch of rabbits, which is cute, but. But God, she loves, loves a theme. Okay, so 2006, theme. I'm going to jump forward in time. I do not like this story, nor do I like the portrayal of her. But this is the closest X-Men tie, which I'm going to cover. Yeah. So this is the limited series called Claws in 2006 by Jimmy Pagliotti and Justin Gray, who are great writers, but are often misogynistic. And there's some problems in their portrayals at times. White Rabbit has become romantically involved with Arcade. Let's just talk about that for a second. Boo. Uh, what is happening? No, no, I, no my headcanon is Arcade is gay as fuck. So yeah. I don't know what he's doing with White Rabbit. I think and that she's gay as fuck. Like what's gayer than fucking marrying an 82 year old dude and like letting him die? <laughs> like, you know, I just, I'm like, I think that these two are just very gay and they just ended up being near each other they're i mean long. they're both villains who love a theme and yeah. who have like billions of dollars they're painted very uh oh what's that movie uh uh natural born killers yeah they're very like painted very like this insane couple who's just gonna kill whoever is in front of them that's another problematic movie good lord oh, okay so they're connected and they are paid by some rich guys to hunt wolverine and the black cat and the heroes are put into arcades murder world which is i always i love murder world i it's fun I, I can't wait to do the trial of arcade on my podcast sometime in a few years. I I, I, gen I actually genuinely love this villain, but he's nuts, obviously. The White Rabbit and Wolverine are put through uh, like some deadly tests. White Rabbit is like super draggy. It's like panties and a white vest. She's got like a club, a heart, a diamond, and a spade tattooed on her arm, which is totally what attracted arcade to her because he loves himself some like crazy game shit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's like a dynamic between them that's really gross. She's got her, her like rabbit ears, but her face make gets, makeup is wiped off. 
And there's a point where she tries on a skirt and looks at her butt in the mirror. And I'm going to read this dialogue. She says, Arcade, sweetie, does this outfit make me look fat? And he goes, yes, enormous, larger than life itself. In fact, the side of you disgusts me. Go back in the bathroom and puke up the sushi you had for lunch. And she says, I already did that and spent an hour on the treadmill. And he says, then all hope is lost. I'll be taking a plump white rabbit to the opera. And she goes, you're so mean to me. And he says, I'm not mean. It's called reverse psychology. If I tell you, in fact, that you're too skinny, your little bunny ears hear something completely different. You hear, I'm a fat widow rabbit. Therefore, to keep you from butchering you in your sleep out of sheer frustration, I have to tell you what you think you want to hear. You see, when you continuously ask me questions of that nature and I respond in truth, you disregard it. And she goes, so you're saying, you are saying I'm fat. Good God, get me J.M. DeMatteis back on this character because this, <laughs> this portrayal is awful uh thoughts on this very awful abusive relationship mm -mm, no yeah i remember whenever i was like in the 90s they were really mean to women <laughs> in the aughts <laughs> they were really mean to women it just kind of keeps going comics were especially terrible at this time honestly like i had to stop reading superhero comics around this same time countdown is what did it to me but oh yeah <laughs> stuff yeah. like this Stuff like this is like, you know, it's all over the place in comics during that time. It was extremely misogynistic during like a massive portion of the odds. Um, and this is just kind of more of the same that first the opening between Peter and Felicia is absolutely yeah, yeah repulsive. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't even like Spider-Man in this comic. Like, I don't like people who I do normally like, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, White Rabbit, she's written really badly here and they just completely forgot that she's super smart and that's why it sucks and this book sold it was popular uh, uh it gets a sequel in which they i don't know they go to the savage land there's a bunch of shit the, uh, white rabbit is not treated well wolverine and black cat are back it's meh it's it's really truly not great comics but it was a seller and it got a sequel and you got to be able to just kind of, the, the white guy thought about this. I'll go like super Republican, which I'm not, but like they like it, it was the times, like people didn't know any better. We were allowed to tell these kinds of jokes back then. Yeah. Okay. But I can also analyze it from a 2022 perspective and it's shit. When you'd see women treated this way in comics, it's gross. Uh, yeah. so I love this character. I do not like this series. Yeah. And Gail Simone was writing at the time. Like there were comics that were not this, but it just seems like when you look back, you're like, oh. Uh, I'm going to cover some continuity very quickly. She's in She-Hulk in 2007 by Dan Slott, where she fires her lawyer because she's late for a very important date. That's it. And then in Dark Rain, <laughs> Mr. Negative one through three. And this is something you'll notice. This character in her first like 20 years only appeared a handful of times. And then people started to use her a lot she's around all the time uh fred van lent picks her up in uh she's in like uh mr negative uh miss dark rain mr negative there's like the hood's army and all that stuff that's going on through this time all these villains are kind of running around and she's one of like a whole cast of people uh but she's treated like kind of creepy they give kind of a creepier haunted version of her almost uh she's like in a, a variation of her costume and she's like quoting lewis carroll while she's just fucking murdering people she's like gunning down civilians 
she says like as she's shooting people she's like when logic and proportion have fallen sloppy dead and the white knight is talking backwards and the red queen's off with her head remember what the dormouse said feed your head feed your head oh these are the lyrics from the white rabbit song yeah bad That's vibes she's quoting i just said this is a very bad vibes moment <laughs> she's singing well done fred van let on the creepy part there that's yeah she's also back in like uh fred van let brings her back in amazing spider-man 605 she's like very drag queeny she's got a bunch of henchmen uh dressed like alice in wonderland characters and she's selling mutant growth hormone and uh, Mary Jane kicks her ass in this one, which is kind of great. She's in Amazing Spider-Man Presents Jackpot Number Two, Dealing Drugs. She's in Fear Itself, The Home Front, where Tigra kicks her ass. She's in Superior Spider-Man Number Four, where she robs an armored truck but surrenders uh, to the Doctor Octopus Spider-Man because she knows he's dangerous. She's in Amazing Spider-Man Volume Three, Number One, where she forms a new team called the Menagerie, and it's all like female supervillains uh, and animal-themed villains. So here, there's like characters like Pandemania, Hippo, and Skeen, and I love this for her. I love this like change to like let's let's form. <laughs> She's back on theme and having more fun, and that's way better than some of the problematic shit we got along the way. Uh, any thoughts on like all the shit I've covered that kind of quickly, but uh, it's less impactful. Uh, do you guys like creepy like serial killer white rabbit? No, <laughs> I don't think we need to do it. I'm just like, we've got that character a million times. I don't have to take every character super seriously. I like it when I don't have to take every character super seriously. I love it when she shows up. There's a lot of directions I think that they could easily go that would be about a thousand times more interesting, right? But it, whatever you know it's like one issue so she's she's trying new things yeah she's just trying it out she has a reputation at this point uh but there's like a oh there's like a harley quinn story where she like kills a bunch of kids and stuff and then everybody's just like oh that was like back then though so like we don't talk about it so this was like kind of her moment for that I guess where we're like oh yeah no mostly this character is like ridiculous and then every now and again she's a serial killer <laughs> we have this ongoing conversation about how different writers pick up the same characters and then we have to weave it yeah. in continuity but that is not my favorite Claw's version is the worst but this version of her serial killing is also not my favorite uh sarah do you want to take us into howard the duck volume five number four we're up to 2015 now yeah um i like these series i thought they were pretty fun i like howard the duck okay and i think that they're a dream team i hope that we see more of them because it seems like just such a weirdly great team up i just think that if there was a whole series that was just howard the duck having to team up with white rabbit for whatever reason i would just uh, just take my money you know like come on let's do it it's but pretty cute this, this is a cute story it's ridiculous and it it's like the best of both of them because what happens she tries i mean it's like it's the same as when you're trying to explain any of her plans <laughs> you're just like mm, question mark she's trying to get uh to like the Pim particles from Howard the Duck and uh whatever he shows up she hires Howard the Duck and he shows up and she's like you're captured <laughs> and, which I find <laughs> to be like so funny and then she has him he's all like tied up you know 
And then she basically just keeps like going on her shtick, which is still hilarious. And <laughs> Ant-Man shows up eventually. Pem shows up just to be like, aha, it's really short, really cute. But yeah, it's really funny to me because <laughs> White Rabbit gets mad because nobody's read Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> and she's like, why hasn't anybody read it? It's a really good book. <laughs> She just wants to have a tea party with her friends. Leave her alone. She's trying to, and her friends are like, get me out of here. But it's <laughs> honestly really funny. I think that this whole story was really cute. It's only, I don't know, what, eight pages or something? Really short, et cetera. But kind of the perfect story because it doesn't have the chance to outstay its welcome, right? It's just kind of a fun, cute thing. And this is an era where White Rabbit is showing up all the time. Adara, you want to take the next couple? She's in Year of Marvel's April Infinite comic. Uh, and then in Spider-Man Deadpool right after that. Uh, and she, she's showing up like just like every few months at this point. She is. So uh, I will reinforce Sarah saying that Howard the Duck, fun read, Chip Zdarsky does amazing things with that whole, he did two different series. I think he did volume four and volume five. Um worth the read if you need like a good relaxing comedy read go for it it's a good uh, cleanser year of marvels april infinite come i i don't know if i would recommend it it's just sort of meh. like they needed a villain to toss into this one there is a boy named gene gray in it um g-e-n-e yes <laughs> so She's there. She's not the white rabbit I recognize. Hashtag not my white rabbit because she has black hair for some reason. Maybe she was going through something. She had a tough breakup. She dyed her hair. Um, but she... Maybe Arcade was trying to make her like look more like Miss Locke. Oh. <laughs> um, she wants to rob like an armored truck. D-Man is there and... Um, there's not a whole lot to the story. As you point out, Chad, The there's a quote from Jean Grey where he's like, put on some more clothes. Like, I'm not a prude or anything, but you should really cover up. Which I think her outfit's just fine, Jean Grey. Well, and, Jean. Then he says, and then he says, lady, try and leave something in Wonderland. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> uh, this guy is irritating though, right? You're just like, uh, he's just like, oh, like, everybody else is so special and like i'm just here doing my art and like i'm just like shut up <laughs> leave her alone she's the, just committing crimes <laughs> the better issue from this era is spider-man deadpool number nine i really enjoyed spider-man deadpool and i stopped reading comics for a while um right around this issue when it came out i didn't realize that it lasted so many issues like it went on years and years and years it's a fun I had that title. moment too. It, it's a fun title because you get um, Spider-Man and Deadpool who um, basically have a bromance. I think Deadpool wants it to be much more than that. Um, and they are confronting a whole group of villains, which are, they finally come up with the name The Hateful Hexad. <laughs> um, Gibbon is back, but it's Gibbon who's an actual monkey um and not the gibbon that we saw back in the 90s so is it's, that the same character it's the same gibbon who went through some shit he was like in marvel apes he's like gun full monkey he later gets killed by craven the hunter when he like 
takes over Central Park and captures all the animal villains and tries to hunt them down. White Rabbit's there too. Uh, Gibbons, a, he's a cute character. I could do a Patreon on Gibbons someday. We'll get there. But he's 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 kind of cute. I like him. So we have Gibbon, Ox, Squid, Swarm, and Bear Bear Guy. Uh, <laughs> so um, basic, it's it's a fight issue. They, uh, and I mean, it's Deadpool and Spider-Man. So it devolves into a fight fairly quickly. Um, we have Itsy Bitsy there, who I feel is more than what I realize she is. Isn't who is she, Chad? Oh goodness, it's been too long since I've looked into her. Itsy Bitsy's like some sort of genetic experiment that involves Spider-Man and Deadpool's DNA like mixed together. So it's like they had a child who's a monster. Uh, I have not read these issues about Itsy Bitsy in years. So if I got something wrong, uh, feel free to correct me. But that's what I'm remembering about Itsy Bitsy. So she's... I do not like this character. Blech. Yeah, um, she's a bit much. She, uh, um, I feel she's the overarching villain for at least one of these arcs, and um, they try to make an like an era out of her, and it, uh, it's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> White Rabbit stabs Deadpool through the chest with her umbrella, and uh, says, "I like you. You're sexy. I want to do things to your corpse," <laughs> which is. Uh, uh, not again. Hashtag my white rabbit. <laughs> um, he also admits to being on pills. Like she's she like, does. She's like I'm medicated. medicated, and it's like good for you, but they're not doing enough. I think you need to pair up your medication with some therapy, and I know where you can find a good therapist. She clearly. Uh, this is a woman who has a sadistic streak and a and a drug problem. There, Deadpool tells her tells her she's too skinny for him. Like going to salad lady, which is also kind of funny. <laughs> Um, Deadpool sees her again in Deadpool Back in Black number three. Sarah, do you want to cover that one? I don't even know what's going on in this comic. So it's about the symbiote goes and finds Deadpool after Spider-Man rejects the symbiote. So the Venom, <laughs> the Venom symbiote apparently had, um, what would you call it? Like a one night stand with Deadpool or something <laughs> like they they hook up for a little while and then it's just like actually i'm way more into this guy eddie right so and that goes on to be one of the greatest love stories of all time like venom and the symbiote and eddie brock beautiful beautiful Fair. love story Fair. we're just not here yet we're in deadpool <laughs> by colin colin bunn who yeah, yeah. wrote night of the living deadpool which i thought was really good this one I'm not as into, but I just, I wouldn't be, I guess. But I think that this story at least kind of starts to get her voice again, you know? Like, it's not like Claws where you're just like, who is this woman? It's definitely way more in her theme. The cover says not recommended for bunny lovers, which is a huge red flag for me obviously um and it has the cutest rabbit on the cover too which is just like what are you doing so we go into the story <laughs> where um yeah this is the one where she's only stealing watches right and they're like um but there's all this other stuff shouldn't we take like all of it and she's like just the watches i'm a themed villain get it <laughs> and, like, starts just like yelling about how like no if 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 I start stealing whatever I want willy-nilly, no one's going to recognize my branding. 
okay and yeah so deadpool and black cat are teaming up in this one um and (laughs) so she's had these little rabbits hopping around which i think is such a good gimmick but once again i would right like i love that she's just like got a little group of rabbits like hopping after her i love this the imagery is extremely cute (laughs) especially when she's terrible like I too am a terrible person surrounded by rabbits and so it just <laughs> makes me really like her um but yeah no they turn out to be like genetically engineered super virus bunnies um these are like these are like Monty <laughs> Python and the Holy Grail like yeah. flesh bunnies yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so that means that it's okay for Deadpool to start like punting them which is like the visual gag of the series once again red flag right but I wouldn't let Wade Wilson near my rabbits anyway um <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what symbiote anything just, or the symbiote actually or black cat actually they're all not allowed to babysit my rabbits whenever I have errands to run so this is it I mean what happens who knows it's like the same as like every single one of these stories where she ends up getting taken out and you're just kind of like okay <laughs> that's the, the end I guess the alien like some aliens led by killer will yeah. attack well yeah but, right. but we, do, we do get kind of like our white rabbit back here yeah which is lovely so then she's in a bunch more of like one-offs. Uh, she fights Spider-Man in some sumsums, and the only thing cool about that is she has like a mechanized like rabbit armor in that. But it's it's blech. And then she's every like, story she like she ups the ante with uh, her gear. Like that's it's like if you're gonna write a white rabbit story, writers please please take this to heart. Just give her a new toy every time she shows up, and it will love it. <laughs> Uh, she she uh, she's in the bar with no name a few times. She gets hunted by Craven the Hunter, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, then she joins. She makes some friends, and this is worthy of a longer conversation another time. But she joins the Syndicate, which is like an all female supervillain team, which I love actually. It's uh, it's it's a good group of villains with like uh, the girl Electro and Trapster. It's not Trapster. It's like it's like the uh, T R P S T R Trapster. <laughs> yeah Scorpia Lady Octopus Beetle and she's fun she doesn't have a lot to do with it but I love the idea of her like teaming up but I have to cover this is where I want to spend a couple minutes I loved this issue so much I read it to my children and because I was laughing so hard they were laughing so hard and now we quote it in my house sometimes (laughs) I love this issue I messaged you both when I was reading this like holy shit this is so good it's 2018. Peter David gives us a weirdly titled uh, a, a, a book called Absolute Carnage Symbiote Spider-Man Number One. Lorena Dodson is out of drag and she's at the Quickie Burger. Uh, she still kind of looks like rabbit-like out of drag. She's like a little scrunched up nose. Like she's like got her low key cleavage and like the sharp cut jacket. And she is like losing her shit because she showed up after 11 a.m. and they're no longer making breakfast. She's like ranting. This is where she's like ultimate Karen. I love her in this issue. I love her. She says, for once, I just wanted to do something normal. Now bring me a damn breakfast burrito. And the worker's like, miss, we stopped serving breakfast at 11 a.m. And she's like, it's seven damn minutes. Make an exception. And he's like, it's against the rules. She goes, do I look like I care about the rules? Give me a burrito. 
And he goes, miss, either order something else or give your place in line to somebody else. She goes, you the manager? And he goes, yes. And she goes, manage this. And she fucking punches him in the jaw hard enough to throw him across the room. His glasses fly off. He crashes into the dishes and like breaks the shelves in half. <laughs> the man, A man points to her face and he goes, settle down right now. And she grabs that guy and throws him through the window and goes, I just wanted a damn burrito. She is losing her shit. And we are only just beginning. Uh, Tell me your thoughts already. I love this so much. Who hasn't felt this way about McDonald's stopping their breakfast service? (laughs) Or anytime you go and you find that the restaurant you wanted to go to is closed that day, like, oh, we close on Tuesdays. And you're just like... I am not upset by her at all in this, but I'm very triggered by the man who points in her face and says, settle down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if somebody... It, uh, having worked in restaurants I gotta say if somebody just like bothers if it well she's at fast food and fast food has like a strict rules but if you work at a restaurant and somebody is just like oh but like I want this thing and you still have some of it you'll just make it for them and be like okay not if they're not if they're fucking acting like this lady if, I if they're if they're <laughs> acting well we don't know what happened before but we I'm like totally playing devil's advocate for this like horrible person we don't know what happened before this but this guy does kind of suck. Oh, I will so not. It just her. seems. I will not the clash her, I of, love her. It's the clash of personalities here. <laughs> so the cops show up. She fights the cops. Then they arrest her, and she yells, "You guys suck! I just wanted a damn burrito. Is that too much to ask? I hate the whole city of South Bend." And the cop goes, "This is Fort Wayne." And she goes, "Same thing." And so show me the why. Show me the why. <laughs> and. It, I am not surprised that, I mean, it's Peter David. And on my podcast, we cover Peter David's X Factor. Like, I love him as a writer. And I am not surprised that he hooked us in so quickly with something so amusing. She is transcendent in this issue. I love her. Okay, so she goes to court. She's like, I did nothing wrong. And the next day, like, she recognizes the judge because it turns out he was in the restaurant when she was arrested. And the story in this, the, the, a lot of this story is about this judge, but we're not going to cover it. We're just covering White Rabbit. But she's like, she's like, you know, I didn't start it. They provoked me. You were there. You saw me. And the judge is like, what I saw was a young woman out of control. And now you're in a court of law, my court, where you're going to be held without bail until your preliminary hearing next month. And the cops are literally dragging her out of the room. And she goes, this isn't fair. You had a chance to make this right, you slithy tove. And the judge goes, so we've got we've got her like intelligence back here, right? The judge goes, slithy tove? Where do I know that from? And then later he realizes it's from like the Jabberwocky poem. And it means like it's a white haired badger. And he goes, oh, well, I guess that would make sense if we were in Wisconsin. Like I get that insults, <laughs> which is again, just amazing. So that night she goes full white rabbit gear, takes a handgun to the judge's house and she looks insane. Fishnets like up to the clouds, high rise shorts, button down vest, bow tie, like red hair, white skin, red lips, two fucking little scary bunny ears. She's like looking gorgeous, but also really frightening here. And she's shows up at the judge's house with a gun. And she goes, for once, I wasn't looking for trouble. And she says, my last name is Dodson. It's like the real name of Lewis Carroll, Charles Dodson, which, aha, there was literary reference to Lorena Dodson. We got Lorena Bobbitt and uh, Dodson, which is Charles, <laughs> Lewis Carroll's real last name. And he goes, actually, his last name is Dodgson. And she goes, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> she points the gun at his chest. 
uh, she goes, you can't see it, but I put quotes around your honor because I was being sarcastic. You get that, right? In any event, tit for tat. And the son's judge, uh, the, the son jumps in front of the judge as she fires the gun. Turns out it's just a toy. It's got like, like a little bang flag that comes out and she's cracking the fuck up. She's like, oh my God, you should have seen your faces. But the son who jumped in the way of the gun has a heart attack. And so she's got electric gloves and she tries to use them to revive this guy because she genuinely doesn't want him to die. She, this is where she's showing concern for a potential innocent victim. And she's like, I just wanted to scare him, but he dies because she's electrocuting him. <laughs> and the judge goes inside, inside and gets his gun. So we're at court the next day. Uh, she's like very sober now. She's like super like shocked out of her craziness. And she's like, I just wanted to say, sorry. I know I'm, I'm a criminal, but I'm not a killer. Well, fuck yeah, you are. But also like, I get, I get it. And uh, she's like genuinely sorry. But the judge who is off her case, but in the courtroom points the gun at her back. And he's like trying to get revenge. The gun goes off, but it ends up hitting like the stenographer. And now the judge has murdered someone. And Lorena smiles and says, oh, good. And she has already summoned her giant like mech bunny rabbit, which bursts through the wall and she jumps on it to escape. She's like, my ride's here. And the cops just fire at her and like the, the, the rabbit trounces over them. Okay, we'll pause here for a moment, but we're not done. Like what, what are your thoughts about the white rabbit here? I fucking love this story so much. Same. Yeah, this is really fun. I think that too, they don't, they don't go too hard on any part of her, right? Like they're not trying to make us truly like love or hate her. They're just like, this is just a weird person. And that's usually what Peter David does best, right? Is like whenever he has somebody that can be kind of awful, but also not the worst, you know? I love I love the characters like that that pop up in X Factor too. Yeah, I think that there's a lot going on, which again, that's a Peter David Hallmark. He knows how to tell a story and cram a lot in. And we've just paused here because we're not done. Yeah. But there's already this, <laughs> this already feels like an entire arc. Like, oh, you should probably read like this trade paperback that contains this. And it's not. Like <laughs> it's so what much. It's one of our best appearances. I think after uh, the JMD Mateus her first uh, and her last yeah yeah so as she's riding the bunny out of the court she turns to the judge who's just killed the stenographer and she goes hey Leonard thanks for doing that I was feeling pretty, pretty bad about his son dying until you wound up killing somebody accidentally now I feel so much better because it turns out we're not so different you and me ciao and then she hops away the judge the judge goes to prison and a couple years later he has cancer and he's up for parole and she breaks into the prison yard, climbs the wall and she looks into his window and she goes, how did your hearing go? He's like, what are you doing here? And she goes, oh, I've been keeping tabs on you. Sorry about that whole terminal illness thing. You have a nice view here, by the way. So I was kind of hoping we could be friends. And he goes, you're insane. And she goes, well, duh, <laughs> which is amazing. And then the carnage symbiote walks into her cell or walks into the cell and it rips the judge's spine out because it turns out he had been part of like the carnage codex which was going on in the comics at the time and and uh it looks at her this monster and he goes hello little girl i'd stay out of my way if i were you and she, rabbit white rabbit goes holy god i'm gonna go barf now the end like scene end of book oh <sighs> 
I love this story so much. We've been quoting it. Like my children and I will say, I just want a damn burrito. Like sometimes now, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I adore it. Uh, she's appeared a couple more times. She was in like, she's she's happening. Are you guys reading, reading Zebwell's Amazing Spider-Man, either of you? So no. Zebwell's has given us a very frightening tombstone who's like, old school gangster like 60s uh what's the guy's name like not jimmy hoffa uh uh al capone he's like very al capone super scary like teeth shaved to points and he's like killing people and like trying to take over the criminal underworld and white rabbit is like his like girl friday kind of but she she's got like a simplified version of her costume and the ears are kind of limp they hang down and she's like a tough chick she's there's something going on with her but we don't quite know what it is. So she's a little bit like his chippy character, but she's kind of like, he trusts her. She's like an enforcer in his gang. Mm. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see where it goes because she's being used. It's a very different version of her, but it's somehow still pretty magical. Um, And that's the white rabbit, everybody. Uh, We've had a lot to say about her, but tell me your thoughts about this character. I mean, we're retreading some ground. I know when I asked this, but why do we love her so much? (laughs) She's unhinged in the best possible way. (sighs) I think that it's a mistake to team her up with people because it's fun when they do it just for one issue or something. But I think that one of the best things about her is is that she's kind of weird, standoffish, doesn't necessarily have a lot of friends in her life, and just is doing this because it's the only thing that entertains her. Like, I think that that's what works really well about her. I love a soul career woman out here making it work (laughs) yeah i just love that she's by herself kind of i can see myself being the same way i mean not murdering but like (laughs) if i'm independently wealthy and i had to live with a husband that i fucked to death because he is like 86 and i like cracked his pelvis and and you inherited his billions and I had uh, billions of dollars. Like I would probably be obsessed with tons of rabbits too. And um, maybe I'd do something fun regarding them. Maybe I'd have like a bunny cruiser, and or or a bunny blimp. Um, because why not? Why not? And I think that's the underlying thing that you or the key to her personality is why not? Yeah. And, why not? I think too that they should have more about her with rabbits. Like they should have way more of her interactions with rabbits. Why do you love rabbits? Like if you're doing experimentation on rabbits, how's that going? <laughs> like I'd love to hear more because it doesn't make sense at surface. I have a feeling if I dig in deeper, it still isn't going to make sense, but I'm excited to hear about it. And I would just like to hear more. Like, why do you like rabbits so much? I get the book. I get the book reference but you know sometimes you have armies of rabbits following you around and i would just like to hear more where did they come from three things i get out of these patreon episodes these are my favorite to record number one i get a whole damn education in a character number two i get to spend time with friends and like building relationships which is lovely i will forever associate her with both of you now and number three my story brain goes crazy oftentimes when i finish these episodes i'll sit down and write a story about the character like a day or two later i didn't do it with unicorn daryl but i certainly did it with vera cantor i have a whole if, if marvel ever hires me i have a whole like uh you guys saw this if you saw it on my twitter i posted a toad story that i wrote and like my friend seth drew it for me and i'm like yay because uh, it took everything i love about toad and put it in one place 
I have a total white rabbit story in my brain now. And without giving anything away, although it will likely never see the light of day, I'll share it with you guys when I write it. Uh, uh, I want to go back to her childhood. I want to see some like origins into her insanity, uh, not in an overly serious way, because I think you can explore her trauma and her crazy in a very comedic way. I love a good, insane, like 60s Batman supervillain. And I don't ever want to see her redeemed. I would love to write her in a team book. I think she's an incredible villain. I think you could get old if you try to do too much of the same thing with her because it would feel a little bit repetitive. But you, if you really want to challenge this character, you have to have her have like play off of someone who's showing her how insane she is, but she's choosing to be insane anyway. And there's like some things about her marriage that we need to know. I think there's a lot to explore with her. She's it potentially kind of like Marvel's Harley Quinn. She has tremendous potential as a character. I adore this character. I think she's wonderful. And they had to go too hard on Carly. You know, like now Harley can be like super serious and stuff. Like Harley can be this like kind of heroic character, all of this. I think that like the beauty of White Rabbit habit is is that she doesn't have to be a serious villain ever you know we have plenty of serious villains in marvel we don't need another it's fine <laughs> like just let her be who she is but she does then, have levels though she's got her serious has, and remorseful side she's got her insane side she's got her serial killer side she's got the anorexic or bulimic side and then she's got her obsession which i love the most that's it you don't have to do what you do with harley quinn to make her be unique special amazing like yeah, she's yeah. already she's already a really interesting character that could stand to go in like new directions uh thoughts from uh from either of you on like what the perfect white rabbit story is like what's the story that we still need about her as we're I, so while you were just talking through everything it triggered in me maybe some of the inspiration um goes back to classic rock i really think that if you listen to the eagles lion eyes it's about a younger woman married to an older man, and she's seeking an outlet, basically, to, uh, and in the case of the song, it's an affair. Um, maybe she started dabbling in White Rabbit stuff while she's still married. It was her outlet because she is stuck in the house with an old dude reading, and she's like, this is how I can have an outlet. That's what I'd like to see. I want to see that marriage. I want to see J. Howard Marshall, Lewis Dodson... What I I want to see what's going on there in the marriage and sort of the genesis because she took the story from her childhood. Then she is in this maybe loveless marriage. Maybe they were really in love, but then um, he was super old. Oh, I don't and, think so. <laughs> and and mix in some fast food in there, and um, maybe that's how she escapes. Is she dresses up as a rabbit and goes through the drive-throughs late at night? For some like late night burritos um, because she's hitting up the Taco Bell. And I feel, like, I feel like she has like an impossible mom who's a little bit like Amy Poehler's character in Mean Girls. Like she's overly affectionate and has no boundaries. Uh, in my head canon, the reason she married Lewis is she, it, was that her husband's name? Dodson. The reason she married this guy is either she was kind of forced into it or she wanted to do it because this guy was a billionaire and she knew he would die. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> but there's a lot of complexity that could be explored if she actually loved him that's a very different story but she seems to rejoice in his death like <laughs> i don't know oh god i love her i really do this is one yeah. of my favorite villains now i love her 
And she's very readable. Sorry, Sarah. Um, she's very readable because there are so few issues. So again, um, you might have to seek out some of the singles in your local comic book store. Um, but you can read all of her appearances in basically a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah, any final thoughts? Yeah, I want her to be more gay, but also just a terrible person still. Because we don't have that rep right like come on marvel give us a terrible gay person <laughs> somebody who's just kind of unbearable over the top in all of the ways that a gay person would love like we love this character we're the fan base of this character <laughs> so you've got to start appealing to us i think that i would love to see white rabbit just be more gay and still terrible thought she would be a terrible girlfriend i feel like women would hate oh so bad this is it i'm just like this is somebody who i would date <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is so fun you guys thank you thank you for your time and your talents today uh early announcement i don't think it'll be for a minute but jamie Fay is drawing the white rabbit for my wall i added i'm only doing 60s x-men characters or characters that i'm doing patreons on that i adore and white rabbit is going to be on my wall sometime soon uh, as we are wrapping up, we're putting this out uh, next Sunday, the 11th of December. Uh, tell people where they can find you online. And if you'd like to plug anything, now is a great time. Uh, Daryl and then Sarah? Sure. Um, so the big thing to plug is just my X Factor Files podcast. You can find us at X Factor Files on instagram please bounce on over we are going issue by issue through x-factor investigations by peter david and we are in the 30s so um we're getting up there and chad i have to reach out to you because we are coming up on an issue i would very much like you to guest on so i would be thrilled to hang out my friend anytime and every time so um catch us over there on instagram and then personally, I will have another book coming out at some point next year. Um, I'm going to be on your show again to plug it. But my uh, my friend Corey was like, I just listened to Unicorn and now I'm listening to Blue Bayou because we have a love affair with Blue Bayou on our recording. <laughs> uh, and Sarah. Over to Sarah. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter for as long as I have a Twitter, I guess. And then that's at Sarah Century. You can also look me up on my website, which is probably going to be a lot more consistent. It's sarahcentury.com. Today is December 11th, as you say, Chad, which means that it is the debut day of my horror podcast, Decoded Horror. So you can follow that. It's a uh, narrative horror podcast and it's going to be uh, bi-weekly. I have Bitches on Comics. We just got finished being, well, we just got finished joining the Realm Network. Realm is amazing. So I'm very excited about that. And and also, if it is the 11th, and that means that it is four days away from the release of my short story collection, A Small Light and Other Stories, through Weird Punk Publishing, I highly recommend checking out Everything Else by Realm, which is a great podcast network, and Everything Else by Weird Punk Books, which is a great independent horror uh, publishing company. And yeah, check out, I guess, all of the things that I do, too. I think you are both talented, smart, lovely people. I am so happy to know you both and to be able to just spend this time as like just a gift. I'm smiling for two straight hours as we record. Uh, thank you. Uh, Graymalk and Lane, I keep my own social media private, but you can find me Graymalk and PP like podcast on Twitter, Graymalk and underscore Lane on Instagram. Uh, I'm pretty approachable. Say hi anytime. 
the next episodes it's kind of depends on the recording schedule i've had some things moved around because of holidays but so far as i know the next patreon episode after this is going to be the character brainchild who i hate <laughs> with the Awful. wonderful with the wonderful danny lore but i hate him for all the best reasons oh they're uh, amazing i love danny danny's incredible uh and ironically the next podcast that will come out around this time is the x-men origins beast issue which is also with danny lore uh and including bob quinn who is always just so fucking funny uh if danny has to move things the next patreon episode is going to be the pride family uh kitty pride's parents and ancestors with uh the wonderful writer carrie harris who i think you both know as well so uh thank you everybody for listening for tuning in we hope you love this character as much as we do and uh we'll just sign off with an eat hot carrots <laughs> eat hot carrots eat hot carrots bye everybody <laughs>